thank you. And I, I expressed that gratefulness with sincerity. I wrote my prayer book this morning, first two words, at last. I, and then the next sentence was, Lord, I have truly, thoroughly been looking forward to coming here to Prairie Bible College. And I love your president and his wife. Thank you again for inviting me to come be a part. And when you were worshiping, I struggle during worship. At Columbia, I sit on the front row, but then I can sing as loudly as I want to, and nobody can hear me because I don't carry a tune. And, but when I do get into worship, I just start crying. So my eyes are still, I was trying to make them dry before I got up here so you wouldn't think, well, what is this little girl up here speaking to us? And, but my heart just gets so filled with, you know, he loves me and I love him. And, and so hearing you worship, I was caught up and I started tearing up and I said, time out, Lord, you know I love you. I'm just not going to sing anymore. And besides, the people in front of me were putting their fingers in their ears and just wasn't a good experience. So, worship team, thank you, Emily, and the rest of you, thank you very much. I do want to give you a little bit of perspective on who I am so you know who it is that's up here with the privilege of occupying this podium for the next three days. Uh, this is my family, Debbie and I. She's awesome. We have been married 37 years and nine months today, so it's our anniversary, sort of. And thank you. We were told we'd never have children. The first three are born December 5th, December 6th, and December 7th. Those are different years, if you were wondering. The last one was born in September. They're four years and eight months apart. We had three in diapers twice. As a matter of fact, I thought we'd have four in diapers at one point. Our oldest, uh, he's Asperger's, and he's was reading when he was two. He's very smart. He was in diapers till he's almost four years old. And we'd have this conversation, you know, like, Dave, would you go please read about it's really time for you to get out of diapers? And, and he'd give me this long explanation. It's just so much more convenient, Dad. And so <clears throat> you, you laugh. I mean, diapers are expensive. And then I had three, three, um, excuse me, I had five, counting my wife, all in either grad school or college at the same time. That was brutal. God knew what he was doing. I don't question his providence, but it was absolutely brutal. Now they all got married about the same time because they're all, you know, they went four years from oldest to youngest, and now they're all having grandbabies at the same time. They are coming in litters. They're just, uh, we have a four-year-old, three-year-old, two one-year-olds, and two eight- and ten-months-old. Uh, most call me granddaddy that can talk. One calls me G-daddy and one calls me go-daddy. That was yesterday. <laughs> and I, I'm kind of liking that one. So, and, and Matt and Mason and Paul were up there. I was playing a little video that just came in when we were giving them my PowerPoint. And it was, I, there's so many, I just give them numbers now. So, number four, she, uh, they were videotaping her saying granddaddy for the very first time. So now I only have 32 slides on my grandkids. <laughs> Not really. This next slide, CIU. I've, I've been at CIU. This is my 26th year in terms of being on full-time faculty or staff. Uh, 16 years professor, one year as provost. I hated that, hated that job. It's very detailed. In the last nine years, so my 10th year now as president, I was also there as an adjunct before that and worked on my doctorate there at CIU. And 
I actually like your motto better because today there's so many hymns out there, little H's, so many gods out there to know him or which, which he is it. And so I like to know Christ and to make him known. And this next slide, um, actually we were planting a church in Atlanta, helping plant a church in Atlanta, and three graduates from CIU came, three young ladies, joined our church plant and they had this, the spiritual gift of harassment. They kept explaining to me that I did not have a vision for the world. And I said, no, I do have a vision for the world. I've been trained by the navigators, by Campus Crusade, Save for Christ, by everybody. They said, no, you think the world's a pancake. You take the syrup of God's love and forgiveness, pour it out on a nation, and the gospel spreads to the edges of the nation, just like syrup would on a pancake. The world's not a pancake. It's a waffle. It's made up of these little ethno-linguistic groups, these cultural little barriers. And so you have to scoop up the syrup, the gospel, and pour it in these next little pockets as it goes along. And I went, I got it. And they said, no, you don't have it at this point. You need to go to CIU to really get it. They didn't know about prayer at this point, so um, I went to CIU. And I never left. And at the same time, went to CIU, started in our basement a little mission agency, crossover we have three bases we send missionaries out from the states we send missionaries out from brazil so solo um that's why i'm in brazil a lot and we send uh missionaries out from moldova which is a little former republic of the soviet union former soviet union we've plant all we do is plant churches to date we've planted 484 churches have a little slide on that um you can see how that progresses and this next slide, um, when you think of unreached people groups, well, I just want to preach on, let's reach the world for Christ. Let's do it this afternoon. Let's get this thing over with. But uh, think of THUMB, T-H-U-M-B, and I think you Canadians spell it the same way. The T is tribal groups, okay? The H stands for Hindus, the U for unreligious. So for us, that would be, we've planted a lot of churches in the Eastern Europe, the former Soviet Union, and we're moving into China, which so the communism there makes it very um, unreligious. M for Muslims and the B for Buddhists. So we've planted 265 churches among Muslims. So it's our passion to take the gospel to the tough places of the world. And that the USA base is located across the street from CIU, so it's very convenient for me. So <clears throat> to sum up my passion... And it's interesting how you, um, President Mark, how you captured this. Um, it's to equip Christians for the evangelization of the world. And uh, the equipping um, that primarily takes, through C takes place through CIU. But I, I want to see God's name magnified among the nations he desires that glory and he deserves that glory so in the power of the holy spirit may we offer him like paul said in romans 15 may we give the gentiles this offering for him well speaking of evangelism six days ago i was with a, a dear friend he's president of an insurance company that covers 11 usa states and he's actually on the board of the mission agency, and he brought one of his vice presidents to the campus. Now, in the States, because of legal situations, 
employers have to be very careful how they talk about the Lord. Not as careful as they think, but they do have to be careful. So he brought this vice president to me, and he said, he's, he and I had this conversation the other morning. He called me at 9.30. He was supposed to have a 9, 9.15, I think it was, conference call. And so my friend's talking to me about how this all got started. So he missed the 9.15 conference call. So at 9.30, his vice president called him. He says, you missed our call. He goes, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, my friend's name, Wes. He says, Jeff, the other guy, I'm so sorry. So Jeff, they're very close friends. He says, what were you doing that made you forget? And sheepishly, Wes said, the president, he said, I was studying my Bible. And Jeff goes, studying your Bible at 9.30 in the morning? He said, yes, I got carried away. I didn't realize how time had flown. He'd been studying it for like two and a half hours. And he said this comment. He says, you know, I think I'm missing something in my life. So he said, well, let's get together with a friend of mine, Bill. So the three of us met together six days ago. And I asked him, I said, well, tell me about your, your walk of the Lord. He says, well, I'm a Christian. Well, I said, well, I, you know, I would guess that. But let me ask you, are you a biblical Christian or a cultural Christian? Now, by laughing, you understand, particularly where I live, a lot of folks go to church. And so they think they're Christians because they're not Muslim, they're not Buddhist, they're not Hindu, they're not unreligious, they're not tribal. They, they think they're Christians, but they're not. It's like Paul says in uh, Galatians chapter 4, where is it, around verse, verse 11-ish, uh, where he's writing, he says, and now that you've come to know God, then he kind of hesitates, and there's a comma, and he says, or rather to be known by God. So it's not whether I think I know God. The, the issue is, does God really know me? And cultural Christians think they know God, but they don't because God doesn't know them. They go through the whole ritual and the routine. They, they wear the Christian T-shirts. They look just like Christians on the outside, perhaps, but it's not an issue of what you look like on the outside. It's what you look like on the inside from God's perspective. So, and Emily, the, the songs you guys chose this morning were just fabulous, um, to that regard. So, he said, well, how do I become a biblical Christian? I shared the gospel using one verse of Scripture, John 3, 16, a little bridge diagram. And we got on our knees there in this little private dining room, kind of back in the back at CIU. And he invited Christ into his heart. And he, in the last six days, he is reading the Scripture. He's spending time with God. And, oh, and he texts me, he goes, man, this afternoon was a powerful moment in my life. I texted him back. Ah, it's just the first of many, many, many. Well, so he was a cultural Christian. He's now a biblical Christian. My objective in the next few months is to keep him from becoming a typical Christian. Now, what we're going to do, this, this morning session is really foundation. It's foundational. Tomorrow is more practical, and the third day is more motivational. So today we're just going over some terminology so you and I can have a conversation. And uh, I'm more than available these next three days, if you'd like to get together and chat, uh, I would actually enjoy that. But let's look at these three different kinds of Christians, understanding cultural Christian we'll put in quotes, okay? So we're doing it from their perspective the non-Christian's perspective. 
All right, so, and I spent a lot of time working on these, these slides, so I hope you appreciate the artistry that's involved. This, this is a cultural Christian. He does not have a relationship with God. He is set apart, separated from God, for the wages of sin is death. Death means separation. Physical death, I'm separated from the physical world. Spiritual death, I'm separated from the spiritual world. And it's, it's, it's a result, it's a penalty, it's the wages of my sin or in this case, the cultural Christian sin. Well, a biblical Christian, real simple. Once I was separated from God, now I'm with God. But not only do I have a relationship with God as a biblical Christian, I can now experience fellowship with God. Not just relationship, but fellowship. So what's the difference? Well, now I've had a relationship with Deb 37 years and nine months. We are husband and wife. And there have been sweet times during this relationship of having fellowship. But there have been occasions in which I've been ugly. Not outwardly, that perhaps is a lot longer. But inwardly. And I expressed it outwardly. And I was perhaps impatient, or I was selfish, or I was just out and out mean and that hurt Debbie's feelings so though we were married and had a relationship I'm no longer enjoying the fellowship there's something between us well now Matt go to the next slide so the biblical Christian can have a relationship and be in fellowship, nothing ugly has become between me and God, but I'm not actually experiencing that fellowship. So stay with me. I can be in the same room with Deb, and everything's fine between me and Debbie, my sweetheart, but I may not even be aware she's in the room because there's a sports uh, program on and it's captivated my attention there's nothing wrong here I'm just not taking advantage of the fellowship I'm not conscious of the sweetness that can take place so take that and let's compare that to God I can go through my whole day and be doing Christian things at CIU or at Prairie and then suddenly, I pause and go, oh, God, I love you. You're awesome. Yeah, please forgive me for just getting distracted with my Christian stuff. So it's, it's this conscious communion with Christ. As a matter of fact, back in the early uh, 1900s, they would call it the four C's. We want to have constant, conscious communion with Christ. There's a little book. How many read the little book, Practicing the Presence of God? Anybody? Okay. Awesome little book. Just 64 pages, I think. It's the same thing. Am I continuously throughout the day conscious of this fellowship with my Savior? So, 
Biblical Christians have a relationship and fellowship, but we often let sin slip in between us and God. Now again, I can be in fellowship, but not conscious of it or experiencing it. But at a certain point through my day, I may choose attitudinally or in my actions to displease God. When I do, then I am no longer a biblical Christian. I am now a typical Christian, and our churches are filled with them. And if I had to ask this morning, let's take a survey. Okay, let's start with you two over here. Biblical or typical right now, this very moment? I'm not going to do that. I am curious, um, but I'm not going to do that. So, whereas the cultural Christian, he's been saved, or we as biblical, typical Christians, we've been saved from the penalty of our sin. We are being saved, present tense, so it's past tense. I was saved from the penalty of my sin. I am being saved, sanctification, from the power of sin in my life. And one day we will be saved from the very presence of sin, glorification. Oh, (laughs) what a day that'll be. So, typical Christians just kind of coexist with this problem between them and God. If they die, they'll go to heaven. But they're not experiencing that abundant life that Jesus promises we can experience. I love the song. It's from Galatians chapter 5. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. So here are these three, these three types of Christians. And notice the arrows, please. A cultural Christian moves up, becomes a biblical Christian. Now, if you want to, there may be some in here that believe you can lose your salvation. At CIU, we have five core values. The authority of Scripture, necessity of Spirit-filled life, priority of world evangelization, prayer and faith, and evangelical unity. So on our campus... There are those who believe you can't lose your salvation, and there's some that believe you can. Well, that may be the same here. And if that's you, add another little arrow there. That won't offend me. I, I just put kind of what, how, with what I'm comfortable. But then, you see, there's this dynamic process between the biblical Christian and the typical Christian of going back and forth. Now, with biblical Christians, let's go one more, Matt, please. There is a spectrum of spiritual maturity. Now, by the way, President Mark asked me, would you speak in our Christian Life Conference? And really would like you to speak on the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, wow, that's amazing because that's what... I felt the Lord had led me to speak on at CIU. So all summer long, I've been developing these talks to share. Um, I usually speak in chapel about once a month with our students. And I love it. And it scares me to death. I don't know why I get so scared. But I love it. And I want them to walk in the fullness of God's Holy Spirit. And to be biblical Christians. And to grow in spiritual maturity. But because it's so easy to focus on just one aspect of the Christian life during the summer, I thought, oh, they need to understand the context of spiritual maturity because there's this spectrum from immaturity to maturity. Now, 
this is where the artwork is fantastic. So we have 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. It says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his sake. I'm writing to your fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. Then he kind of repeats himself. I have written to you, little children, because you know the father. But I've written you, fathers, because you know him. It's a deeper kind of knowledge. You know him who has been from the beginning. And I've written to you, young men, because you are strong. The word of God abides in you, and you've overcome the evil one. So look at this. This is an immature biblical Christian. He knows that his or her sins are forgiven, but he or she's spiritually weak, lacks deep understanding of Scripture, struggles with consistently overcoming temptation, and they don't know God very intimately. Now watch this. I, I just I fell in love with this artwork. Boom. Go ahead, Matt. See how he grew there? I just, I love that. I'm going to do that one more time, Matt. Go back. Immature. Now go forward. Maturity. All right, this is good. All right, so a mature biblical Christian, he knows that his or her sins are forgiven, and they're spiritually strong. They really understand the Word of God, and they overcome temptation on a consistent basis. They are not sinless, but they do sin less. And they know God intimately. They know Him who has been from the beginning that we may know Him. To know Him. To know Christ. To make Him known. So let's look at more closely the spiritual maturity. And again, this is just foundational. I believe spiritual maturity has two aspects. A horizontal is imitation of Christ. You see that? And the vertical is intimacy with Christ. And you watch as you read, most authors will focus on one or the other. If you go back and analyze the message of the songs we sang this morning, all but one tend to focus on one or the other. One of the songs focused on both, if I was paying attention carefully enough. So, what is that vertical axis? It's intimacy with Christ. The horizontal, so that we might know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, to know him, to make him known. Whereas the horizontal is imitation of Christ. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. Imitation of Christ. Looking at another way. Go ahead, we'll click again, Matt. Vertical, my love for Christ that I may love him with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind and all my strength. I want to love him passionately because I know him so intimately. But then there's the, my likeness of Christ. I, I love that Second um, Corinthians 3.18. We're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Let's look at another. Um, there's a deeper, the vertical, a deeper fellowship with Christ. 1 Corinthians 1 9. God is faithful to whom we were called into fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Or we can look at the greater fruitfulness and the fruit of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Now, spiritual maturity is made up of growth rates. And this is the ideal. Growth rate, that First Peter 2, 2, long for the pure milk of the word that by it you may grow and respect, grow and respect to salvation. I want to grow, don't you? I don't want to stay a baby Christian. I don't want to stay an immature little children 
I'm writing because you know your sins are forgiven. I want to know him who has been from the beginning. So, ideally, we want to, at the same time of getting to know him more intimately, we're reflecting reflecting his image more accurately. Intimacy with Christ, imitation of Christ. So, but very few of us grow at an ideal growth rate. Some of us, though, have an inspiring growth rate. Um, I don't want to be so eth- uh, ethnocentric or... Is FedEx up here? Okay. Okay, forgive me. <clears throat> you have McDonald's? All right, so um, <laughs> FedEx. I had the privilege of meeting... Um, a guy's name's Mike, Mike Moss. He'd love for me to use his name. Um, and he was a cultural Christian. And he was president of two of FedEx's um, companies. One had 8,000 people and one had 14,000 people. And when I met him, he said just the other day, he says, you know, when I met you, I never heard the phrase cultural Christian. And then after a few weeks, I realized I was one. Well, he and I got on our knees, another friend, uh, Tobin Castles, and another Rick Tabir, and there are four of us. And he prayed, and we just, all of us were just sobbing. We'd never admit that in public. Uh, but among brothers and sisters, family, we were just sobbing as he prayed and invited Christ to come into his heart. Just this week, he led his, one of his daughters to Christ. I mean, he, oh, yes, praise the Lord. He is on fire. Oh, yes, praise the Lord. He's on fire. 30 days ago, a guy named Josh came into his, no, I'm sorry, two months ago, a guy named Josh came, he just called me and told me about this, so I wrote it down, came to his office, he worked for him, and he explained to him, you're a cultural Christian, but you can cross over into a right relationship with God and be a biblical Christian. So 30 days later, this was a few weeks ago, about three weeks ago, Josh came into Mike's office and he said, I read the Bible. He said, good for you. He said, man, it's amazing. You know, there's the Old Testament and there's the New Testament. He goes, wait a second. Did you read the whole Bible? He said, yeah, I told you I read the Bible. He said, you've only, in the last 30 days, you've read the Bible? He said, yeah. He said, yeah, that's good. <laughs> he said, did you understand the Old Testament? He said, you know, actually, the New Testament is more easy to understand than the Old Testament. He said, well, here, I'm going to give you a book. And it was a book that I had the privilege of writing. And it's called Putting Together the Puzzle of the Old Testament. He gave it to him. Next day, he came in. He goes, that was a great book. <laughs> My wife and I read it last night. And he goes, time out. You read the whole book? He said, yeah. Now, this guy's growth rate... I don't know about you, but it inspires me. I feel like I'm just kind of creeping along. And he's like, oh, let's get after it. You don't find those often, but you do find a lot of people's growth rates that are impressive. I mean, you look at some of your professors, you go, oh, God, I want to be like them. God, grow me up. Grow me fast. I like that amen back there. (laughs) But, you know, at a certain point, there's an inadequate growth rate, right? And I often feel like it's where I am. I'm really not growing in my intimacy with Christ, and I'm really not growing in my imitation of Christ. By the way, this is an impossible growth rate, uh, this next one. 
It's impossible because if I know God that much, remember this vertical from lesser to greater, if I really know him that much, then I'm going to reflect him a whole lot more. Does that make sense? That's why it's like a 45 degree angle. Now, so the question is, how do I go from an inadequate growth rate to an ideal growth rate? Well, let's run through these. I need to focus on communing with Christ more than I have. Simple question. Devotional time. Maybe the first two or three weeks of school, I'm motivated. I want to go back to Prairie. And it's a new roommate, so I need to kind of impress him or her. But am I going through the motions or am I communing? Am I sitting there watching sports and Deb's over there in the, her chair? Focus on not just communing with Christ, but conforming to Christ. Focus on, let's keep going, Matt, getting closer to God. That's the vertical. I want to get close to you, God. Real close. But I want to get further away from sin. So it's the vertical and the horizontal. Does that make sense? And my tendency is to focus on one or the other and not both. And both are part of spiritual maturity. There's the focus on seven letters. T-A-W-G and V-C-L. Tog. Now, you know what a wog is, right? A woman of God. Guys, we were talking about this um, earlier. Um, ladies, have you ever read the book Lady in Waiting? Um, that's my wife wrote that book. It's like 15 languages. She is such a wog. She is a woman of God. It always bothers me. She tells girls, she says, you know, gals, um, wait for the best. And then she always says this. This is what bothers me. She says, waiting's hard, but the only thing worse than waiting <laughs> is wishing you had. You know, she doesn't say it like that, but, you know, you know I'm kind of like. <laughs> so what is talk? Time alone with God. We need to focus on those four letters. Time alone with God. Not, I don't have my devotions. I spend time with God. I don't have a quiet time. I spend time with God. See the difference? We evangelicals, we kind of put it in a checkoff. Did you, did you have your devotions? Yeah. Did you spend time with God? No. What? So what's... VCL. At CIU, we call it the victorious Christian life. It's not enough for me to live my life for Christ. I must let Him live His life through me in the power of His Holy Spirit. Because I really can't live the Christian life apart from His enabling power. That's why I was saved from the penalty of my sin, and I am being saved from the power of my sin. I can't overcome sin in and of myself, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can. I can't get to know God in and of myself, but as the Holy Spirit illumines my mind and my heart as I read His Word, I can get to know Him intimately. Now, there's a shortcut. Anybody like, who likes shortcuts? 
I always told my kids growing up, a shortcut is the longest distance between two points. Because inevitably, it's going to mess up. But there's a shortcut in spiritual maturity. It's called suffering. So you have to ask yourself, do you want to take the shortcut? But you will get to know him more intimately and become more like him much faster. All right, so what have we learned this morning? It's just foundational. Three types of Christians, cultural, typical, biblical. Biblical Christians range in terms of maturity, spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is a function of growth. Growth takes place in two areas. Intimacy with Christ, imitation of Christ. And so I was told my students, listen, we tend to go to an extreme, one or the other. We want to focus on both. (laughs) But this week I'm going to focus on this one. But I want you to have the context. It's foundational. You have to know. Imitation of Christ is a necessity. I can't live my life apart from His power. I can't live a, a biblical Christian life apart from His enabling power. So it's a necessity, but it's also a possibility. So let's, look, let's go back to these three types of Christians, please. Cultural Christian, biblical Christian, which ranges in maturity from immature to mature. And you can't grow in maturity as a typical Christian. You can grow in knowledge about, but you can't grow in knowledge of. Let me say that again, please. You cannot grow in spiritual maturity as a typical Christian. You can grow in knowledge of Christ, but you can't go in, I mean, about Christ, but you can't grow in knowledge of Christ. If you're going to grow in maturity, you have to be rightly related to Him. So how do we become, how do cultural Christians, I should have put it in quotes, how does a cultural Christian become a biblical Christian? Focus. Crossing over through the Lord Jesus Christ. We cross over through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, John chapter 5 verse 24. Crossing over from life into death, NIV. So how does a typical Christian get out of the morass there and be a biblical Christian? Focus. Walk in the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to talk about tomorrow practically. How do we do that? But then how, how does an immature biblical Christian grow in spiritual maturity? Fellowship with the Father. It's all foundational. But I think sometimes we lose the big picture. And we focus on these little bitty aspects. They're very important. But we lose the big picture. And you have to understand, I'm a frustrated wannabe missionary. I love my job at CIU. But I beg God to let me go overseas to serve him cross-culturally, be more accurate. But he knew I can't even speak English right, much less acquire another language. I was so proud when I told Pablo, I saw those whites, and went, Bon dia, good morning, in Portuguese. Like, yeah, she, blah, blah, blah. I had no clue what she's saying. <laughs> but 
But because I'm a frustrated missionary, I want to make biblical truth practical. So if I bless you somehow through the scriptures, sharing the scriptures, that's encouraging. But I'd go away frustrated. I want to equip you to equip others. And we have to put it in ways that we can transfer it so it's transferable. So we reach a world for Christ and we reach it quickly for his glory. Let's pray. Father God, (laughs) I love this group. And Father, I pray that this week that you would you would do something in each one of us that we can look back years from now and point to that's where we grew in a significant life-altering manner. And Lord, we ask that because we just want to be closer to you. We want to look more like your son Jesus because we love him so much and so grateful. Oh God, this week be our vision please. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.